Hello everyone and welcome to season two of VFM, the pension podcast. And Nico and I are delighted to be joined by Robert Cochran and Pete Glancy to discuss what value for money means to them. Welcome. It is good to be back. Episode one of season two. Uh, delighted to be joined by Pete Clancy and Robert Cochran from Scottish Widows. And of course, Darren, how was your Christmas? How was your new year? Good it to was, see you. It, it was good. Good to see you. I haven't seen you yet, yet this year, <laughs> no, Nico. It's been a long time. Um, yeah. It has been a long time. And yeah, and I had a, had a really nice break. I can't believe um, we're pretty much at the end of January already. Okay. Um, very, very busy year so far. So, uh, but all good. Uh, yeah. We won't talk about Arsenal uh, because we had a bit of a wobble over Christmas, didn't we? Had a bit of wobble. Yeah. So whilst I was away, so I, I went to uh, so I went to my parents for Christmas, and then I went to to France for New Year. And whilst I was missing the games, uh, Arsenal's wobble. Uh, was very very severe, and then I came back for the Crystal Palace game, and we won five nil. Yeah. So, well, I've, I've, I've yet to have the conversation with Mikel Arteta about taking me home and away into the director's box, but yeah. I think that's it's only a logical, well, <laughs> a so logical conversation. I'll be your plus one. Uh, you can I'll be, be my plus, plus one. one. Yeah. So, so did yeah. you have a did you have a good Christmas? Yeah, lovely, lovely. Um, so saw the family, uh, got down to to France. The dog loved it. Yeah, brilliant. Excellent, excellent, and we're 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 delighted to be joined by this the second most dynamic duo in pensions, aren't we, Nico? <laughs> so, Absolutely. Um, as you as we've already said, we, we we've got Pete Lancy, um, thirty four, thirty six years um, Scottish widow's lifer. Um, we'll talk a bit about um, your bio in a minute, but you've you know you're a pension stalwart, aren't you, Pete? Um, welcome to the Bye podcast. Up. And um, and we've also um, we're also joined by um, Robert Cochran, um, a, a good friend of the pod and someone mm. we've had on before. Um, and Robert is workplace pensions engagement and innovation lead um, at Scottish Widows as well. Um, how's your bag, Robert? You know when you talked when you were on the podcast before, um, you had this um, was it a mountain warehouse bag or Amazon uh, Amazon Basics bag or something <laughs> that you thought was good value for money? So um, you know is, is that still going strong? Uh, my North Face bag is oh, uh, face, still going <laughs> still going super strong. I had to drag it across London today at pace when I got the wrong train, and uh, yeah, I got here, so we're we're all good. Well, welcome welcome so, back, and, and we are yeah. mixing the format up a bit, Nick, aren't mm. we? So. Yeah, so Robert, you have the honour of being our first returning guest, mm. um, which is, you know, very much the, the pinnacle of the pinnacle of the DC industry. Um, wow. So, so congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's also the first time we've had two guests. It is. Um, so as a result, I don't think Darren and we're not going to allow ourselves to do the news, but uh, we'll 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 go to you guys to, to do that. So, and, and, um, and you are under strict instructions, Nico, to talk less. So, yeah, but um, I'm going to ignore those. I, yeah, I, know, I think I, know, I think I all of the feedback is that this is this is the voice they want to hear. Now. Oh, wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, yeah. No, I am working on my audio. <laughs> so, um, well, as you're our returning guest, Robert, um, what have you got for us? Okay. Um, well, you, you described us as the second most dynamic duo. So Pete does policy, and I do people. If I just mm. try to simplify mm. it. So, what's the people story uh, of pensions from the last week? Well, surely it's got to be Big Zoo being on BBC primetime Friday night on on the Would I Lie to You programme. And he even got to perform some of the pensions rap. So um, I I was like shocked on Friday night. Uh, Yeah, it wasn't the most exciting Friday night watching uh, (laughs) watching the BBC. Uh, And up he pops. Uh, I was a little bit, um, I was a little bit um, betwixt and between when I saw it initially because he he got a card to read out and that card uh, that he read out says, pretty much, um, I was recently asked, I re- I recently um, wrote and performed a rap all about the benefits of saving into your pension, and the whole panel was just like. Whew, 
increasing themselves. This cannot be true. This cannot be true. This cannot be true. And I was thinking, right, but if the campaign had been a real success, then everybody on that panel would have known it, and they wouldn't. They wouldn't have used it as a would lie to you. Um, but that, that's maybe wishful thinking. So obviously, it's the first time I've ever watched that program and known the answer. You know, mm. normally it's something obscure, but this time it, I knew the answer. Um, it, there was quite a few funny bits in it. Uh, he was uh, he, he was asked why he was doing this, and he, it was to to try and improve the stigma of pensions. The stigma of pensions. <laughs> <laughs> that was the language he used. <laughs> now, obviously, he, he's he's trying to throw them off the scent a little bit, uh, but he used that language, and then then you had um, you had. Um, David Mitchell on the other side going, the stigma of pensions, my parents don't go, oh, I get this pension income every month and I can live comfortably at home. What a stigma. Uh, so, <laughs> okay, that's good. That's good. <laughs> and so, did he perform so, yeah, the rap? Did he perform he, the rap? So he, he pretended in the initial bit that he didn't know what it was. And he said, can yeah. you do a couple of lines from the rap? And he just went, pensions, pensions. <laughs> and, then, and, and then when it then when it got to the end, he did, in fact, perform uh, about four or five bars from the rap. So it, it was a super piece for the campaign. And yeah. it, it was interesting. I was, I was wondering how did it come about? So... Um, it, you know, it comes about because like a BBC researcher sort of sees this kind of wacky thing and thinks, well, we could maybe put that together. Mm. And in fact, Hetty Hughes, who you might know, Darren, yeah, yeah uh, and you'll you probably know him as well. I uh, know her as well. He, she was actually lined up to go to be going on the show as a mystery guest. Mm. And her kind of piece, uh, the the kind of card was going to be, um, hello, I'm. Uh, th this is Hetty Hughes. Uh, she helped me write a rap all about pensions, which is what Big Z was going to be saying. Wow. Uh, so yeah, uh, so r really interesting, a brilliant piece of coverage for the campaign. Um, but I just, were we really, really successful? There's no way they'd be using it as a would I lie to you piece. <laughs> well, that's that, that that that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Really, because um, you know when they first when they first announced Big Sue, I was like, I don't really know who Big Sue is. Um, rap rap artist, grime artist, something like that, is it? Yeah. Um, um, so you know, I, I was always slightly perplexed, but just thinking about that panel. Yeah, um, you, you mentioned David Mitchell was on the panel, but were they really the target audience for that rap? <laughs> well, that's exactly what was pointed out to David Williams. He wasn't target for the rap or indeed for the algorithms that the, uh -huh. the attention, attention campaign sending at him. Gabby Logan is like, you're, you're, not the, uh, you're, you're not the target algorithm for this. Um, but I don't think any of them had seen it um, at all. Uh, and, um, and, you know, we've got Timmy, Mall Timmy Mallet this year. I'm just wondering yeah. um, when we're going to have Pete Lancy on the, on the on, you know, fronting <laughs> up the pensions rap. Pete, um, you know, when, when, when we're going to have your debut? I'm, I'm not sure I can either rap or sing, so um, I'm probably not the, the, the best person. I've also, I've also got a face for, for, for audio, you know, so I'm not, I'm not that, that good. Posters, you know, so. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> probably and, not. <laughs> um, we'll leave that one to Robert then. He does the people, yeah, yeah. as he as he says. Um, yeah, Robert, a... can you can you give us a couple of bars of the pensions rap? Are you? Uh... Are you oh, when I, when I was, I, I'm not, no, but it's along the lines of never would I imagine when I was a young G sitting in detention that a few years later I'd be talking about my pension, paying <laughs> some attention, <laughs> something along those lines. Okay. Uh, but, but we but can yeah. actually see Robert doing the moves when he's yeah. um, when he's talking about the rap, so this is yeah. uh, fantastic. It feels like yeah. you probably have to. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, but there was rhyming a... detention with pension. There yeah. we go. That's, uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so there's also some other we'll get on to your news story in a minute pete but um there was also some other um news related to this saying was yeah. it one in four people um yeah. you know had well the, the pensions attention campaign had reached one in four people could you just tell us a bit about yeah, that? yeah yeah so the, the the official figures that came out said that one in four people had seen or could recall uh the pensions attention campaign or mm. timmy malik um uh, it seems like a, a massive success. Um, seems fantastic to me. It seems a little bit of a stretch. It's not. It's not my experience of going around places that as many people have seen that. Mm. But um, you know, it, it's a step. It's a step in the right direction. And I know 
they've got even bigger plans for this year and maybe to try something different maybe not using an ambassador maybe try some some different uh some different things we, we got more companies behind the whole campaign this yeah. year so mm -hmm. more providers got behind it which meant they amplified the messages as well yeah um yeah, so, so, so is, it, is, it already. is the change of tack of the campaign because they, they got wind of Pete wanting to, you know, front the campaign <laughs> up? Is, 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 is that what happened? <laughs> well, I think I think you live and learn, don't you? So you see <laughs> what things work or what things work um, and even what mediums work. So, you yeah. know, um, there was a specific target market this year, which was like, you know, like 35 to 50 year olds. Mm. Yet the most successful medium was TikTok. So which isn't really... Uh, that same target market so you live and learn you find things that work um and uh, yes it'll be exciting we're starting earlier this year so should be even bigger and better excellent mm. excellent and um so 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 pete um we'll, we'll come on to your new story but um you know part of this was a a, a policy thing wasn't it you know that they, this is where the pensions attention campaign came from um, I think there was, um, was it Guy Opperman had this idea of a statement season and wanted everyone's pension statements to, to all go out at the same time. And, and, and in place of that, we've get, we get Big Zoo and Timmy Mallet, you know, um, you know, what, what, from, from, from a policy perspective, you know, what, what, what are your thoughts on what's going on here? Well, I think the original idea that Guy had was a good one. It was to get it was to get people more increase awareness and get people more engaged in terms of their pension. It's important stuff, but it's a bit of a dull, it's a bit of a dry subject. Mm. Nobody wants to talk to you about it at a dinner party. Um, and his his big idea was um, there's millions of these annual statements go out each year, and a lot of people don't look at them, and they go in the bin, they go in a cupboard. And he thought if we put them all in a big orange envelope and they send millions of them out on the same day each year then people might pay them a bit more attention. Now, mm. the, the principle was good, but um, but there aren't enough printers in the country to print uh, all of the industry's annual benefit statements and send them all out on the one day. And we were also very concerned that it was a big advertisement for scammers. You know, mm. people want to get uh, their hands on, on your financial <clears throat> data and then try and rip you off. There's a lot of bad people out there. And, 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 and sending a massive big orange envelopes out where everybody knows all of your pensions, all that money's contained in there, all these details, it, it, it wasn't practical. But what we wanted to do is, as an industry, you know, the ABI and the PLSA working together with the schemes and the providers, we wanted to help Guy achieve his ambition. Hmm. And, and we signed up to a three-year um, plan um, you know, to, to run this pension attention campaign. I hope, I hope it runs for longer than that, and we're giving it a go for three years. We, 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 we used Big Zoo last year and Jimmy Mallet this year. Um, it won't be me next year, but, <laughs> but uh, it, seems, it seems to be going well. Um, it's, 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 it, it was a great intention, and we're, we're working as an industry to try and make it work, make a difference. It's good. Excellent, excellent. Um, so from the sublime to the ridiculous, um, what, what's, your, what's your new story, Pete? <laughs> well, there's, there's an awful lot of talk uh, in the trades this, this week about the government's proposals on pot for life. Why is it happening this week? Well, yesterday was the deadline. It, it's a call for evidence. It's mm. not yet a, a, at the stage of a consultation. We're going to mm. do these specific things on these dates. What do you think about it? It's, it's floating a few kites around ideas. Um, I think to try and make sense of this, you need, you need to first of all start with the productive finance agenda, which basically is both the government and the Labour Party are saying, um, we need to invest a hell of a lot in the country to turn around the economy, create better jobs, create better pensions, etc. from those jobs. Um, but the country can't borrow anymore. We, you know, we're up to our eyes in our national debt and we can't tax people anymore because the level of taxation is the highest it's ever been. And they're both saying the only game in town is finding a more productive way of using pension investment assets to create a virtuous circle. Won't go into that any further at this point. It's just to set the scene. Mm -hmm. the, the, one of the big planks of that that you get from both the government and, and the, the, the front bench team from Labour is that they both want to see a much smaller number of large pension pots and a much smaller number of large schemes. Now, I originally thought that the value for money framework would be the tool that they would use to shrink the mm. number of schemes and drive the consolidation. But I think increasingly that doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon or be remotely effective in doing, in doing that. It may well improve value for money and improved outcomes for scheme members, but it's not going to drive consolidation. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. And increasingly, I think they're looking at this... Um, the, the, the pot for life concept is a way of doing that. So if you if you think about this as a sequence, we've already got voluntary con pot consolidation. When people leave a job, the, the richer people will work with IFAs and they'll move the assets onto a platform. 
other people will respond to television advertising, online advertising, and you, you know who the consolidation players are. They're, they're playing in that part of the market. Um, the next thing on the agenda is an initiative to consolidate all of the small pots that currently exist, mm. where those small pots would for, follow you forward notionally to your next employer or a nominated scheme. And, and this is the you, this is the debate about portfolios member versus default consolidators. Is that the one? Mm. You... Well, it's, it's a small pot solution. Yeah. Um, you mm. you would um, you 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 could pick up you could pick a provider, or it could go through the central carousel service uh, right. and, and move on. But basically, the pot is following you forward. Yeah. Uh, 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 on your journey, one yeah. way or another. Yeah. Um, you've then got um, the new two new ideas. One is which is member choice, hmm. so that in the future people would be able to to pick their own pension provider. Um, that happens in Australia. I, I think off the top of my head, about fifteen percent of people choose their own provider, um, and that's probably roughly the same proportion of people who consolidate their pots onto platforms through IFAs and responding to the consolidator uh, advertising on the television. It wouldn't be transformative, I don't think, in terms of the industry. It would just mean that for those people, the pot wouldn't wash them through their employer for two or three years while they were with that employer. You wouldn't have that visiting pot going through a workplace pension. It would just go straight to their, um, their provider of choice. So, 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 so just, to, just to bring that to life, yeah. if you were yeah. to ever leave Scottish widows, and you know, evidence <laughs> suggests that you wouldn't, it would mean that you could join another pension provider but still contribute to your Scottish widows pot if you wanted to. Is, is there would be lots broadly? of there would be lots of well there would be lots of ways of doing it. You, I think the idea is you could choose a pension provider. Yes, and you would say to your new employer, "I want my contributions and your contributions to go there, yeah. rather than into the default pension scheme that you've established for, for the workforce." Yeah. So that's that's member choice, and then the final agreement the, uh, ingredient, which is by far the most radical, uh, is, is something uh, it, it mirrors what they do in Australia, something called stapling. Uh, and this basically would be at some point in the future, a curtain comes down, let's call it an, an AD. And at that point in time, you would be in an active pension scheme. And if you leave your employer after that point in time and join a new employer, instead of joining that pension scheme, your future contributions would either be directed to the pension provider that you've chosen, which might mm -hmm. only be 15% of people, hypothetically, for the other 85% of people, those contributions would be directed back the way into a scheme uh, that was established by one of your previous employers. So if you remember, we've got the small pots notionally following you forward and, the, uh, and then through the, the stapling, the larger pots and the contributions following you back. It needs, it needs to all be worked out a little bit uh, to, to, to make that, give that some sense. But the reason it's so controversial is that if you get to that end point and introduce the stapling, there is no point in any employer really running a, a workplace pension scheme, mm -hmm. a single trust scheme, mm -hmm. because most of the contributions for your current employees would be getting directed back the way to a previous employer, their arrangement. And mm -hmm. for most of the people who um, are in the scheme that you're operating, they will now be working for someone else. So the, if the government really is serious about shrinking the number of single trust schemes, number of master trusts, the number of GPP providers, um, the value for money framework, I think, can be used to shrink the number of master trusts and GPP providers. But the stapling, the, 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 the pot for life concept is the thing that would kill off the, the single trust uh, occupational pension schemes. And I think, I think that's the driving force behind it. Not to say it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I think that's the driving force. It's obviously very controversial because lots of firms, lots of people have built their career uh, on the employer-orientated ecosystem that we have around auto-enrollment, it would be a huge shake-up of the market. And, yeah. and obviously, firms and individuals are quite concerned about what that would mean for them. So. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the feedback is in the vein of, um, you know, if this was 15 years ago, this would be a perfectly acceptable answer. But shouldn't we maybe try and let the system that we have built kind of play out and, and you know, remediate that system rather than mm. hypothecate a brand new one? Um, I, I think it's really interesting that the sort of the ripples from that stone. Um, I, I, I had a quick scan to find someone who was positive about it, um, and maybe I didn't look for long enough, but I couldn't find them. Um, so uh, it seems that, and maybe that's just how the media works in terms of highlighting stuff to me. But uh, it didn't seem like there was uh, much positive support for the for the concept. Let's say now. Mm. Yeah, and I, I, I think I, if you look. If, if you look at it logically, though, um, the, the end state that the government wants to get to is between five and ten really large super pension providers, each with millions of customers, 
uh, and hundreds of millions of assets. And, and they want to, to work in partnership with those really big providers in the future in terms of how those assets are invested, you know, so that yeah. there's, there's a link between the, the growth of the economy and, and, and returns for people in the, in the pension system. And if you think about it, there are thousands of workplace pension schemes, uh, uh, dozens of master trusts, you know, a, a dozen or so uh, life insurers play in the space. But there's also some professional trustee forums, employee mm -hmm, benefit mm -hmm. consultants and corporate advisors, fiduciary uh, managers, uh, uh, all, a whole spectrum of firms and people. Uh, and if you get down into an end state where there's only five to ten big players, an awful lot of these firms and a lot of these individuals won't have customers to serve. Yeah, so yeah. the vast weight of opinion will be on, on protecting the status quo just because of what it does to people's uh, you know, yeah. careers and people's yeah. firms. So. Yeah. yeah. But that end state, uh, the uh, pot for life discussion is uh, just a feature of, it's not, it's not the, it's, it's a, our current system could go to that end state. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so, so that kind of uh, that that bias, uh, that vested interest bias, is, is sort of um, on both sides of, let's say, the pot for life debate. I mean, yes, for me, yes. the, the amazing thing is just the lack of potency of the, <laughs> the the policy interventions. You know, if you want ten pension schemes, then get your stick out yeah. <laughs> right, and Le legislate for ten pension up, schemes. Yeah. Right, legislate yeah. for ten pension schemes. Um, you know, the the licensing of those schemes, you know, you could create that within, you know, not that many years. Mm -hmm. um, and if you want to invest in UK PLC, then encouraging people to invest in illiquids all over the world seems like a strange, <laughs> strange <laughs> way to go about it. Right. So yeah. there's all this kind of in pensions when we're in this slightly really, really interesting space where it's now um, the, the, the football that gets kicked around. So we can talk about, you know, UK productive finance and climate change. Uh, but nobody's actually kicking the ball. They're just sort of kicking this imaginary ball next to it. Um, and, <laughs> and you know, having a jolly good time with the ball that they're not moving at all. Right? It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It, could be, it could be interesting, though, with a general election. You know, the, the, the Conservatives tend not to like interventions. It's against their mm. ideology. They don't like mm. market interventions. They like market forces. So they, they tend to like creating uh, rules and frameworks uh, and hope that the market will then behave within those rules in a way that they want. And it's a bit of keep your fingers crossed. You know, the, the, the left of centre tend historically to have been much more open to market intervention. So, Nico, the sorts of things you're talking about, a, a Labour government may be more open to. So mm. we'll, we'll, we'll see. And, mm. and, just, uh, and, and just to bring the man of the people into, into yeah. this. So, so what, what are the people aspects, Robert? Um, you know, because Pete started off by talking about um, this is all being led by productive finance, yeah. Yeah. But but actually, you know, I, when I think of pensions policy, and I might be slightly naive on this, but we should always yeah. be doing stuff that improves member outcomes. So so you know, yeah. what, what 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 do you find on your travels when you talk to people about this? Well, it was really interesting this week. Both Pete and I were at an employer event, so we had um, a whole range of different size of employers who've got pension schemes with Scottish widows. In fact, Pete was on a panel with some of them. Mm. And they were doing things like um, we had Jagger Land Rover on who are paying significantly above the minimum level and trying to move people even to even higher levels of contributions. Mm. And they can do that because it's one scheme that they have. Uh, they can communicate in a nice, simple way with their provider to, uh, to not just encourage people, they actually move them and then allow them to opt back down again. That kind of level of employer endorsement of the scheme is something that becomes more challenging when you have a, a much more fractured base of membership. Yeah. And also even even thinking about your what was the chance, what was... What was Guy Orkman trying to achieve? People talking about their pensions because they're all getting these statements together. Within a workforce, that does happen. You know, if you've mm -hmm. got a Scottish Widows pension scheme, uh, you'll get that workforce will all get their annual benefit statements about the same time and they'll talk to each other about that. So there are certain things that you lose by this, uh, by moving to, moving to that model. You certainly lose quite a lot of the employer sponsorship. The employer comms, employer engagement, and you can argue about how successful that stuff has been. Mm. But it, it has been something that employers have used to differentiate themselves and something that some have done, you know, some have done really, really exceptionally well. So I think there's that level. I think if you just say to individuals, would you like to be able to choose where your pension goes? They'll probably say yes. So mm. it's that whole thing about, um, you know, if you put a a question in front of people that they don't really understand what the level of engagement what they'll have to do to make that stuff happen they'll probably say yes if people, you said people to, like choice don't they 
people like yeah. they're having the okay. option of choice yeah I think if you said to people, um, when you start your work and uh, as you're coming out of uni and you, you're maybe getting part-time work as a waiter uh, and they put you into a pension scheme, then that's going to be the pension scheme that you're going to have for the rest of your life unless you actively do something different. Um, but for most people, they'll not do anything different. They'll just end up in that waiter's pension scheme for the rest of their life. Yeah. They're not going to say that's a good idea, right? Uh, so, Well, the waiter's pension scheme might well. Um, and this yes. is the issue uh, that Nick Sherry was raising before yeah, Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I listened to that and I thought, you know, that's a really, really good point. And yeah, it's it's exactly the case. But I mean, I I, I still uh, identify that lots of people view their pension. The people that we see are viewing their pension as one of their workplace benefits. It's associated to the employer, and they expect their employer to help them out with it when they need help. The first place that they go won't often be us. It will be colleagues. Mm. and you'll, lo you'll lose that piece or it might even be the union you know the, the unions are quite heavily involved in that stuff as well when you have a disparate model with disparate schemes it becomes more difficult for them to do, to do yeah. that just just to finish off on that just this week um, one of my colleagues scott ran an investment session for some employers 2200 people dialed into that you know and that so that's that just just through their employers their employers are saying okay uh, Scotch Widows are going to run this. You can see how your investments are doing. Uh, just mm -hmm. for a small group of employers, 2,200 people dialed in for that. Now, imagine if, you're the, if people have all got different schemes underneath it. They're all going to lose access to that kind of support. Uh, yeah, you know, I may be looking at a little bit short term, maybe in a world that the future there might be something replacing that. But mm -hmm. reality is that's where we are now, and, that, and, and that's how people get engaged and understand what yeah. it is that they've got. But it's sort of joined up policy, isn't it? So, so there's there's a world where um, essentially we have these sort of five stapled uh, super trusts, super super trusts um, that has certain ramifications into the ability of people to engage, as you say. So, therefore, does that not have a higher auto enrollment contribution minimum? Uh, does yeah. that have better integration with? Uh, like withdrawals so that people can deal with the, the crises of, of working life, you know, getting onto the housing ladder. Does that have a better understanding of what it's accumulation world? You know, the, you, you have to package that up. Unfortunately, for the last, since the Pensions Commission, oh God, we're here already, episode one of season two. I'm going to call for a new Pensions Commission. Uh, but, you know, we've just had piecemeal, right? So, so um it this feels like another a piece of a piecemeal um and it in itself is sort of unobjectable um but uh integrated with everything else there are massive issues yeah um yeah so no, how do we how do we get back to you know reintegrated <laughs> well i think it you know like we, we we often joke about the commission and stuff but but there is something about you know looking at the system as a whole Mm. And you know it's 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 great having lots of policy consultations, isn't it, Pete? Because it keeps us out of trouble and it gives us something to talk <laughs> about. Um, so you know, from mine and Pete's perspective, it's been our bread and butter for a number of years. And and I do think though that sometimes uh, there's a lack of joined upness and a lack of a holistic view as to how everything is going to is going to interact. Mm. Um, so you know, goodness knows, goodness knows, and, 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 and without. We're, on, and we're at the on. point in the electoral cycle now. We've got an election coming up. You know, I think we're just going to see more and more silly stuff potentially coming mm -hmm. out. Um, I suppose the the advantage of where we are is that there's very little parliamentary time, and it's very very difficult to actually get stuff through and get stuff done um, at the moment. <laughs> so, but, you know, it, but without sort of breaking any uh, confidences, Pete, are you getting a good? Are you, you know, is there access to both parties at the moment? Are there? Are you able to have this kind of policy level conversation? Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's good access. Um, I'm not expecting actually anything radical to come out in the run up to the election. Um, I think both parties learned their lesson from Theresa May a few years ago, who should have won their SNAP election relatively easily. But she introduced the, a discussion on long term care, which right. upset an awful lot of older, wealthier, conservative, traditional voters. Um, uh, the, the the best thing for the politicians to do in the run up to this election is not have any policies whatsoever, which I yeah. think is what they'll, yeah. they'll probably do, and it'll become it'll become fought on grounds of competence. You know, um, mm. you know who 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 would be most competent. What what Labour Party are saying at public events, this is isn't breaking a confidence. They're saying expect an awful lot of continuity. They're talking about the sort of continuity that you had when Tony Blair and Gordon Brown came in following John Major. Um, 
uh, they're also saying, look, you know, there, there is some detail that we'll probably have to look at. But at the moment, we've got a couple of spads in each of the shadow uh, front bench teams. Mm. Um, and, and the government has the whole of the civil service to help mm. them. And, you know, mm. once, once they, they're hoping to get elected, they're saying once they do get elected, if that's the case, they would then, when they have access to the whole of the civil service, then, then they can look at some of these questions more thoroughly. So I, I, don't, I don't think we'll see an awful lot before or immediately after the election, whoever wins. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned um, A-Day as the cut-off point for the new um, um, potential Pop for Life stuff. You know, that just gives me visions of horror um, because <laughs> I, I just um, think A-Day was pension simplification that yes, was, yes. was which, which wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> you need to coin a different term, Pete. Pensions, pensions complification, I think we remember, yeah, yeah. remember yeah. AD as. Um, yeah. I was working for Deloitte at the time. I think I think they probably made two pensions partners on the back of AD. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Pete, so, Pete, you've seen it all. Yeah, you've seen it all in your, was it 36-year um, career? Um, so, yeah, how did yeah. you get into this industry? How did you get into pensions? I, I was working as a, a student at Edinburgh University, uh, mm. originally doing a computer science degree, although I was starting to find some of the, 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 the complicated maths around database design a bit challenging. But I started working at Scottish Widows as a summer and Christmas and Easter job to make some money, to, as you do as a student. Um, and snooker was all the rage at the time. Steve, Higgin, uh, Steve um, Davis and Alex Higgins were on the, the telly. And, Every department in Scottish Widows had a sneaker team and there was a very competitive league. Mm. And uh, I was the captain of my local snooker club at the time and the manager of my department found this out. Um, and I could only play for the team during my holidays. Uh, and uh, Of course, you can't play there if you're not working there. So um, yeah, I was, I was recruited into Scottish Widows to help them, my manager and his department, run the snooker <laughs> league, which I did, which I did. But uh, you know, that got, that got me hooked on pensions. And, and I, 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 during my time at Edinburgh University, I, I, I discovered I wanted to work in business and changed my degree to business studies. And you know, it, it became very helpful. A lot of the stuff you learn there is useful to you in a, in a, in a big, big office. So it, mm. was, um, it was completely accidental. And uh, and it worked out quite well in the long run. I quite enjoyed thirty six years in pensions. So. Yeah, excellent. And how excellent. many years have you won the uh, snooker competition? Is that still well, going? We, we 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 gave that we gave that up um, oh. uh, probably in the in the mid nineties. It became less fashionable, you know, and uh, <laughs> uh, people stopped playing quite as much. And I got I got other interests such as girls, etc. As well. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so 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 tell us about the types of jobs you've done at Scottish Widows. You're you're obviously doing policy and public affairs and stuff like that at the moment. But, you know, have you, have you worked in all areas of the business? Yes, I started off in uh, customer service, uh, including a spell looking after all of the, the complaints that the organization got. Um, um, that's, a, that's a really good way of, of understanding how your processes and your products work by, by delving into complaints, see, seeing where things went wrong, uh, uh, understanding how you can avoid them in the future and that doesn't just help in terms of designing products in the future it helps with the policy agenda as well you, mm -hmm. you, you, you're trying to prevent unintended consequences but also then into change management IT end user computing um, um, marketing corporate ventures we did some joint ventures with the Royal Bank for, for a while and then Lloyd's TSB came along mm. uh, bought us over and we've been part of the group for over 20 years now which has brought in a whole new dimension to, to our reach in the pension space. Uh, um, I've headed up the retail pensions propositions area for five years and then the workplace propositions for five years and then uh, the last eight or nine years has been in the in the policy space which is I think I think to do the policy space, it's useful to understand the different bits of the jigsaw. Yeah, yeah, because when yeah. the government or a regulator raises a question about how might this best work or what might the impact be, you can think about it from the perspective of customers, but also of computer systems uh, and products and, and profitability and, and, and all of the different things you need to think it through mm. if, you're, if you're going to make it work. Um, but it's by far the most enjoyable you know, part of my career in the public policy space, because I think rather than just making a difference for your own customer base, you, you can make a difference if you get it right, you know, for the whole country. That's that's mm, really motivating, yeah. really exciting. And you get to go to a lot of receptions with a lot of fine wine as well, because um, a, a little birdie tells me you like your fine wine. Yes, well, I can't do raps and I can't sing songs, but uh, I've, I've done a few. Uh, I've done a few wine tastings with a bit of humour uh, uh, in there in order to raise money for charity. So that's probably uh -huh. more of my forte: talking to people about fine wines rather than making up raps. Um, <laughs> so, so how did how did you and Robert meet? 
Who wants to tell the story first? <laughs> well, I'll let Robert go. He's got a better memory than me. He's younger, but... Uh... <laughs> well, uh, we've both been here a long time. I think mm. that I think that's the, the honest answer. And um, I've always thought what Pete does is really interesting. So I was lucky enough to go along to a few things on behalf of Pete when he couldn't make them and, and you know do a few bits and pieces. But I think probably the first time I got close to what Pete was doing was when we had auto enrollment coming in, Pete was leading on some of the tech stuff to try and uh, organize uh, uh, our, 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 um, our way of supporting employers to try and satisfy the regulations. Mm. You were, what was it you were doing? Um, our assist me. It was, oh, wasn't it? Because you, cause, cause you had a partnership with uh, Peoples as well, didn't you? Peoples, in, in, yeah. in the early yeah. days. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 And um, yeah, and, yeah. and uh, do you socialise? Do you go out drinking in in, in Edinburgh? Uh, no, no, because Rob, Robert uh, goes to, goes out and drinks beer and and spit and That's right. And I, uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm out at the white ploy, you know, with the the cocktails and the fine wines. You know, so. And and, and Robert, is there any? Robert, is there... Robert doesn't have the dress codes, you know, to get in. So. <laughs> <laughs> and is there any football rivalry or anything like oh, that? You know, to me. I'm, I'm us... a hippie. I'm a hippie, and I think Robert's a jambo. So I certainly am. Yep. So, um, so hippie so is Hibernian, is that right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, yep. and and what are you, Robert? I'm a jambo, so that's a Hearts fan. Hearts. Uh, so season ticket season ticket called uh, season ticket holder at Tyne Castle. So we've had mixed fortunes this week. Um, yeah. My team won. Pete's team got humped last night. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's jambo? I, 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 I should say, I should say though, that in the derby, you know, it, it's a much bigger game than that old fun nonsense that they have to in class. <laughs> excellent, excellent. So, so yeah, j you said jambo or something. Mm, just, 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 yeah. just quickly, what? What's that? About? Uh, uh, jam tarts. So we're the hearts, the jam tarts, uh, and it becomes okay. jambos, right? Yeah, yeah, you, so you, you yeah, you, yeah. Don't don't create a pensions wrap, please. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't come up with that. <laughs> um, so, so we we usually ask our guests what value for money means to them, and and um, I mean we know that Rob is um, is very keen on his mountain warehouse bag, um, just to use that um, to crack that again. So, 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 so it's Pete, saying, isn't it? so, yeah, no, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so, but, but, but Pete, what does value for money mean to you? How do you think about value for money when it comes to sort of responding to some of the, the government initiatives? Well, just, just personally, I think I, I will think consciously that something's great value for money if, if it's better than I was expecting and it comes at a lower price than I was expecting. You know, so if you get a really fine burgundy, for example, or, you know, a nice, <laughs> a nice, a nice uh, fine Duro Red from, from Spain, and it's, it's less than about 40 or 50 pound, then you're thinking that's great value for money, a nice cheap wine uh, with a great, a, a great nose, etc. Um, I think in the pensions space, we've got to think about what are the, the two things that we, we really do if you boil it down. One is that we take other people's money and then eventually we give it back to them. But what we really need to do to create value is to, to make sure it's worth more and mm. certainly worth more than inflation so that when we give it back to them, it's got more buying power than the when they gave it to us in the first place so getting the investments right is the number one thing in terms of value for money but also you, you need to make sure that people are equipped and able to make good decisions along the way you know could they take more in, uh, investment risk if they're young going to a more adventurous portfolio and get a better return mm. and then especially at retirement not not doing daft things for the money paying too much tax etc or running out of money you know too early uh, in life um, so I think it's 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 getting those investment returns and helping people make good decisions, guiding them or advising them to the right answer. And if we can get that right, that that sh that should be really great value for money for people. I think. Yeah, and and and, and that's that's consistent with what a lot of people have said to us. Um, you know, over, over 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 the course of the podcast, and 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 do you do you think that? Like you 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 mentioned the con continuity and consistency. If we do have a a Labour government, um, you know, after an election, but do you think that the the regulators will have the teeth and the powers to really drive some of this through? Because we've talked quite a lot about some of the, you know, what the constituent parts of value for money. We've talked less about what actually happens if schemes or providers are proven not to deliver value for money. Do you think regulators need a bigger stick to drive some of this forward? 
I, th I think they do. I mean, if you look at the VFM framework that exists for schemes under 100 million in assets, I think TPR's uh, data is showing that only only about 24 of them percent of them are actually bothering to do anything about it. So seventy exactly, yeah, yeah. five percent of people are just completely ignoring what is the law. Basically, it's it's, it's mm. not a regulated framework; it's a legal framework applying to applying to them. So um, uh, I I can't see the value for money framework when it comes along being adhered to to any greater extent than that. Right, and yeah. I think one of the challenges is it's subjective. You know, mm -hmm. you've got to look at a whole bunch of stuff, um, charges, investment performance, the quality of administration, quality of communications, uh, and then you've got to compare that against other schemes, uh, other providers who have a different clientele, who, who may be more or less engaged in the crowd that you're looking after, and then you've got to apply a bunch of judgments to it. Mm. And then you've got mm. to put on a red, amber, and green status. Uh, and if you're amber, you need a plan to return to green. And if you're red for a couple of years, you might have to wind up. But getting to that point where you're red is really, really subjective. Mm. And a lot yeah. of it's going to be turkeys voting for Christmas. Yep. Because yeah. if, you've, if you if vote to be wound up and join a multi-employer scheme, then what, what do you do after that? So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think it's very, very difficult to use VFM as the route to drive consolidation. To mm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. Um, um, I, I kind of wanted to come back to, to your uh, value for money uh, articulation and just inflation. Um, so I think I think you said, you know, when it when I get uh, surprised by how good it is or surprised that it's cheaper. Um, so are we not, uh, you know, in the in a sort of inflation world, how do we accommodate that surprise that it's more expensive? But it's the same thing, and because the money illusion is very, very real, right? So I think we all, even those of us who are on the listening and, and and obviously speaking, we get inflation, but it's still a shock when you get to the bar and look at what it costs, or you come to the supermarket. So how do you how do you put those kind of things into into a value for money piece? I I think one of the concepts we've got to get across government, industry, maps, everyone, is is the the notion of risk free return. Mm. Um, so we've, we've been, auto-enrollment took place during a period of ultra-low in inflation and ultra-low interest rates in particular. Um, and because the, of the ultra-low interest rates, the, the risk-free rate of return was, was, was basically down, you know, close to zero. Yeah. And the, la the last time we had a period of high inflation, I think back in the 90s, interest rates were, were up in double figures. Mm -hmm. And despite the fact that inflation was high, you could still get a return comfortably above inflation. When you've got a period of higher inflation that we've had, what was it, you know, 9%, it's now down at about 4, 4, 4.5%, etc. You, you, you've got to get across, across the concept that the risk-free rate of return is actually inflation. Uh, if you're leaving your money sitting in a bank and it's getting 0% or it's getting less than 1% in, a, in a, a, a savings account, it's actually declining in value. So how can you say it's the risk-free rate of return when you have a certainty of a loss, it can't yeah. be risk-free. It's, it's 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 the riskiest thing you can possibly do is to lock in a certain loss, and I think that's that's the concept. I mean, people struggle with percentages, they struggle with compound interest, but mm. we've got to get this concept of the risk-free return out there in some sort of simple framework. I don't know if mm. Robert mm. Robert's got thoughts on how that might be done. We, we need to achieve that. So. Yeah, Robert, yeah. challenge over to you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, well, well. What what I can say is. Um, something we were probably going to come on to is we 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 had 2500 questions come in from mm. uh scheme members through a pension engagement season and mm. i've got a, a top five topics and investments isn't normally uh isn't normally super high up but it was the second top uh, areas of questions and there was a I got, I got all these questions because they're all free text questions. People can type in whatever they want. I got all these questions put into ChatGPT, analyzed by AI because it was too difficult for me to analyze keywords, <laughs> key themes. And out of that comes what are the five top top key themes and areas that people would ask us about. Okay. Uh, number one was pension transfers. Number two was investments. And within investments, one of the top topics was, if I just read out for a, an example, um, my investments are performing poorly and their value has gone down. Do you have an interest paying cash option? Example, inter, uh, example percent interest that I can place my investments in in the short term. Uh, and there was quite a lot of people just worried about the volatility and going, yeah, right. and I've come from, just more or less what Pete was saying, we've come from a background where interest rates were nothing. Now interest rates are 4% or 5% or 6% I can get in the bank. That feels brilliant from where they were before. 
mm. can I take all my pension money and chuck it in there? So it's a it's a live and genuine issue, uh, and it's something that we, you know, it's something that you cover off through, I guess, education and engagement. Mm. And it's really interesting that you were asking, you know, your the, the questions were asked for a free form box, because oh, what you're yeah. what you're not doing is you're not sort of leading the witness, as it were. But, yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a big thing for for me to try and uh, try and get us to do a bit more of. So not just doing surveys. So the whole piece that I was doing it recently was surveys are good, but listening's better. So if you mm-hmm. if you survey people and create a survey, you can probably get the outcome you want. But if you just give them the ability just to type in any any questions that they want to ask you. Now we know that the number one question we'll get asked as a pension provider is what can I do with my old pension pots? Right. That, that, and there'll be there'll be lots of different ways around doing that. They can use the, the app, they can do the transfer, it takes about eight minutes. They just need to know that that process exists. Within the investment world, uh, it was re- it was really interesting. I mean, the, I kind of summarize a lot of the questions uh, were more perception than reality. So, you know, my, my fund made less than I contributed last year, so I've now reduced my contributions as I can't afford to waste the money. Have I done the right thing whilst the fund is making a loss or appears to be? So quite a lot of people were asking that question. So, again, it's that edu- education piece. Yeah. Um, but people are all in a different space in that investment journey. Uh, yeah. you, you, you know, the next person along saying, obviously, pensions are not performing well at the moment due to a number of t- factors. During this period, does this mean we're building up more units at a lower price? And therefore, will help once the markets have recovered. Yeah, you know, so yeah. so it's lo- it's lovely to see that that kind did, did, of. Was that your was that your question? No, uh, no, 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 no. Assets cheap. Are the assets cheap? Oh, that, yeah, yeah that, that's gen. That's genuinely, uh, you know, genuinely stuff that people are asking. Um, yeah. So it's great. You know, people are all right across the entire spectrum. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you two things that really interest me with the investment space. So two thousand five hundred questions. How many questions do you? Th- think mentioned any of the keywords that would associated with ESG so environmental green ethical Ooh. climate any of that stuff oh 10 uh, 16 ah. so 16 out of the 2500 so this is a brilliant thing about using AI you can analyze mm. it right down to all the different keywords twice as many people asked us about mansion house and the questions wow, about wow. mansion house <laughs> Well, indeed. So I was amazed by this. And the questions we got around Mansion House were all the same. The UK government is trying to get a percentage of pension investments to be invested in UK-based startups. And some of these have huge fees. How can we opt out of our pension being invested in these? Wow. Wow, wow. Okay, so that I was going to uh, say, if you all had, if you had thirty-two questions exactly the same, then you've you found a Russian chatbot. Uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> so uh, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe the no, uh, no, no, I can give I, that I, feedback I, to the government. <laughs> I, I can tell you from going out at the yeah. tail end of last year and doing a number of face-to-face client events, people were coming up using almost exactly the same yeah, words. Because think yeah, about yeah. it, that's how it was reported yeah. in the yeah, press. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so. So we know we have a big job to do to, you know, to turn that round, to turn that perception mm. round with with the general public. Um, well, it, it does show you that fees are important, even if policy has moved away from from you know charge cap discussion to the what you spend fees on. And you know we can we can argue for the um, uh, you know the interpretation of those fees as much as we like, uh, but there is still something pounds and pence about fees. Um, rather than getting to respond to that, um, so what were topics three and four and five? I think. Uh, okay, so number yeah. one, yeah, number one was pension transfers. Number two was investments. Number mm. three was understanding the retirement options. So what could they do yeah. with their money? A massive focus on tax-free cash. How do I get mm. my tax-free cash? Is my tax-free cash mm. protected? If I take a little bit out and I do a little bit more, can I get more tax-free cash? Not enough. Not enough stuff about income that I would need in retirement. Uh-huh. So just about funds and tax-free cash. Okay. A whole load of questions around the app. So how can I use the app? Um, and the final one was tax and contributions. So um, <clears throat> what what I have to recognise with these kind of events is that they're self-selectors. So the people that come along are the people that are probably already interested. Yeah. Um, um, and, and amongst them, you know, there's people going, I've not used my pension allowance for previous years. Can I still make use of it? A whole, lo- a whole load about salary exchange. Uh, yeah. I don't see tax relief on my pension through salary exchange. I don't see my contributions. Uh, am I really paying any money in? Where's the NI? All that stuff. So, you know, this kind of thing that employers will get all the time when they run a salary exchange or salary sacrifice scheme is people not understanding where their contributions have gone because obviously mm. it shows up as all employer contribution yeah um 
and if I give you the surprises for me, we didn't get any questions about cost of living. So 2,500 questions, none about cost of living. So that's that's interesting. Nothing about reducing contributions or any of that stuff. So I think it's quite interesting that it's probably partly self-selectors. Uh, probably the people that are worried about that are the people that don't come along to mm-hmm. um, pension sessions. Advice, 26 out of the 2,500 questions included the word advice, but most of that was just, um, can you give me advice, Scottish Widows, about this yeah. or about that? In terms of regulated advice, it was less than 10. And there wasn't any reference to the words that I would associate with financial wellness. So wellness, well-being, these words didn't appear anywhere in any of the questions. Now, whether that's because they're industry words or whether it's just because they don't associate that with a pension provider. Mm. Um, yeah. It needs a little bit more exploration. But I can tell you when you've yeah, got that really huge data set, it is amazing. You can cut it and mm. slice it and dice it in any way. Now it's gone through the, the AI and it's come back with all the keywords. Excellent. Great. That's uh, that's fascinating, and um, you you do like your innovation, don't you, Rob? <laughs> you know, yeah, because um, you you caused a bit of a storm. Uh, was it towards the back end of last year? Uh, well, the, ma- the pens- man, the man in the mirror. Yeah, the man in the pensions mirror. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we so uh, we we launched our pensions mirror. Um, I was going on a five-hour train journey uh, all the way to the Pensions Awareness Studio in Grimsby, so not easy to get to from anywhere. Mm. Uh, so I was travelling to London. So at the start of that journey, I released the pension mirror, if you like, uh, through LinkedIn <laughs> and various other things. It, it was something that the campaign had. Uh, our, our t- t- tell us about. Party. Tell us. Tell us what this mirror actually is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you can all have a shot. Just uh, type in pension mirror. You'll find it uh, online. Um, so what it is is. Uh, it, it uses a bit of AI. So you hold up your phone and your phone then tries to work out what age you are. So you look at it, it guesses your age. And then underneath that, it gives you, using the ONS Stats uh, Wealth, and, Wealth and Assets Survey, it tells you what the average pension fund somebody of that age has. Hmm. So um, I, um, I was slightly disappointed, Darren, to say that you came out older. Um, I did actually, went, so when they presented it back to me, I said, look, we need to make sure that the algorithm maybe just slightly tease people a little bit younger because okay. I, don't, I don't want to disappoint 50% of people, which is what I'm going to do. Yeah. <laughs> you just do it bang just, on. Just pausing on that. So I, and obviously you put that code in. So, so Darren looks a lot older than he really is. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, do, I'm just, I'm, as as we're recording this, I'm, I'm just, oh my god, I've we've just done it again. It's just come up with fifty-seven. That is, I know you can't sort of swear on this podcast, but you know, blimey. Um, uh, well, yeah, you can uh, swear when you work out what a beat button yeah, had to do yeah, the sound yeah. effect. I, 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 I blame it on the lighting in my office. So, yeah. um, well, Nico, 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 you need to do it, it as well. Um, well, but, or do I? It genuinely is all about the lighting, so it depends depends on the light. So, um, yeah, as I say, I re- put that out there on the start of that train journey. And actually, on that train journey, Dar- Darren, you had a shot, but you were going somewhere else. And I was 51 people before, from, 51. Yeah, people from all over the world started using it, and yeah. th- that train journey, I was just full of people. So I was getting private message by people on LinkedIn who came out too old, I really, really upset. <laughs> with your new tool uh so i've got those private messages coming through but most people are going actually this is a brilliant way of just getting people to find out and learn something about pensions in a really quick way and literally from all over the world um within the first few weeks it was used uh, 72,000 times wow. uh, sorry no no it was used by 72,000 people and they used it 300 and odd thousand uh, just about 300,000 times so people are using it on average four times they're walking about their house going yep. uh, <laughs> <different> route. <laughs> and obviously they don't post it on LinkedIn when they come out older unless they're uh, Darren uh, most but, of the people are posting have come out younger and they're going hey yeah so Pete but, uh, how do you well, how do you let them get away with stuff like this yeah. <laughs> can't you can't you put some control around Mr Cochrane there, there is no way of controlling Mr Cochrane but it, it, it brings <laughs> life and vibrancy to the whole pension thing so it's great and I came out at age 59 which was hugely disappointing you know but then I thought in terms of value from this you know could, could I use yeah. this output to help me get a free bus pass you know oh, <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it must be how hard us policy people actually work, Pete. That's what it yeah. must be. It's the stress of it. It's the stress. Indeed, yeah. indeed. Yeah. And in but, terms but of the nudge, so, so, so it, it tells you what the ONS average is of pension yep. saving. So yep. presumably 
uh, for like 70% of the population, that's sort of higher than they might anticipate. And it's, it's a shocking uh, kind of statistic. Is that that's the intent that you sort of call no, the, the, the lower savings? So, in actual fact, the intent was to get them to go and find out how much they actually had in the right. Pension. I see. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was a so you went from there a link. So we actually designed this for Scottish Widows Pension Engagement Season. The link would take you to the Scottish Widows app, download the app, and find out how much you've got in your pension. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so so, that, so that, that that was it. Um, but you're right how people react to it. So I've got a WhatsApp group on Saturday morning. We usually go cycling. I, I did it. I came out at 51. The next guy did it. Came out at 51. And the third guy did it. Came out at 51. The third guy's 10 years younger than the other two. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, I've I've woken up this morning with a face like a burst ball. Uh, and, <laughs> and then the next thing he says is, uh, can't believe that's all people have in their pension fund. Yeah. Uh, this guy's an this guy's an architect. So it, yeah. the, the conversation moves that quickly. From mm -hmm. this is fun to, oh God, is that all people yeah. have? Or in in, in, in other uh, WhatsApp groups, you're going to have people going, God, do people have that much in their pension? Yeah, mm. uh, yeah. So it, it it's just a it's a it's an opening a gateway into finding out a little bit more, and, mm. and it's it's been super so, successful. So Robert, what what next? You've you've you're the man on the you are the man on the bus. Yeah, and we yeah. talked about that when you were on the podcast before, and now yeah. you're you're yeah. the man in the pensions mirror. You know what, what have you got up your what, 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 what have you got up your sleeve um, for pensions engagement this year, or is it you know um, uh, top well, secret, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, that's, so so I, I do have some top secret um, um, ideas of how we can improve on the pension mirror. In fact, Pete and I were at a thing in Parliament where I had a brainwave. I told him about it there, and we're going to make it happen. So oh, I'm not going to expose that. Not expose that here and now. But another thing which was really successful, just after pension engagement season, we did some sessions with content creators. So um, I mentioned that the young black audience is a difficult audience to engage mm. in their pensions. Mm. And from, Pete, from Pete's retirement report, I can see that things that the... That, that um, the the black community don't really believe in a state pension, for example, they didn't believe that there's a much less likelihood of believing that they would ever get a state pension. So one of the things we did was let's try and find content creators who've already got an audience. Um, and we went to an organisation called Nineties Baby Show, um, and they they're three black guys from, from the ninety uh, sorry who were born in the nineties got a huge following and do lots of fun stuff. And the idea was that we actually go to their audience and give them some pension comms. So rather than mm. try and drag their audience to us, let's go to them. Now, initially I'm thinking, I actually don't really want to do this because it looks a bit kind of weird, like an old white guy coming onto the show. So um, we've got, uh, we've got uh, Selena Flavius, who uh, runs Black Girl Finance, did a show with them. We've got one of our grads who's... Um, uh, who's, who came in, her dad actually used to play football for Gambia, so they, they came over to the UK and she joined our grad programme and she went and did a session with them as well. And then they wanted to do one one with me where they could just basically put me in a room and ask me any questions about pensions. So somebody had been around for a while that they could really grill. Um, went down there, the, the room was set out like a kind of like a Nigerian family living room. I wasn't allowed to wear my shoes, I had to sit in my socks. And <laughs> first, first of all, they, got, they introduced it, they say, hey, uh, so we're going to be covering all the myths around pensions. We're going to take all the questions. So it's going to be a pension session. Cool, cool, cool. I thought <laughs> nobody nobody ever introduces a pension session going cool, cool, cool. And then <laughs> the next thing he said, so Robert, you've been in the pension game for 25 years now. 25 years just focusing on the end of your life. That's a pretty hard shift. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, no, no, you're you're not focusing on the end of your life. You're focusing on your future. And they're like, yeah, you're right. Uh, so. <laughs> So what I could see, though, is the love for this whole session on YouTube. Mm. Uh, people go, we just don't get access to this. Nobody comes and talks to us in our kind of way mm. about pensions. We didn't learn it at school. I've learned so much. Just things like, you know, we might watch we might watch Martin Lewis. They're probably not watching Martin Lewis. They're watching 90s Baby Show. They've got, so the, yeah. the big lesson for us is to try and find content creators, shape your content in a way that fits their audience, they trust the the content. They trust that um, that channel. They go to that channel. It's a channel they trust. And if they're, if, they're, if they're willing to bring us in to try and help educate them, it's a whole new uh, a whole new way of doing it. And hmm. yeah, uh, r really great. Um, 
they, they, they didn't really like pensions. They thought they should call it the lit fund rather than, the, rather than a pension fund. So there you go. Very good. Very good. I'm, I'm sure you can um, create a wrap out of that, Robert. Uh, <laughs> um, we, 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 we're fast running out of time, Nico. Mm. Um, but there's a, there's a couple of things I, I just wanted to sort of pick up on. Um, Pete, you, you know, what's going to be big in the policy space you know, you, you, this year? Like um, we've, well, one of the things that, you know, just, just listening to Robert talk about um, sort of engagement and communication, using influencers and, you know, doing things like the pensions mirror and that. Like we've got quite a big consultation out at the moment from Treasury and the FCA on the, is it the advice guidance boundary review? Um, yeah, you yeah. know, what, 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 are your, what are your hopes and fears around that? Okay. Um, we've obviously got an advice gap. It was created at the time, unintentionally at the time of retail distribution review, um, which is basically at the point that all the banks and the high street um, people pulled out of providing guidance and advice and support to ordinary folk. So the top 15, 20% of folk that use IFAs, they, they can still get great support there. And the way they pay for that's a little bit different to what it was before RDR, but they're still getting a, a good and comprehensive service. But nobody else gets anything really. And mm. what our research tells us is that people want uh, an expert to tell them what to do in a way that's relevant to their circumstances, and they want us to be proactive. So we've, we've got three problems at the moment. One is that under the current data privacy rules, we're not allowed to be as proactive as we want. When we see mm. harms coming towards people or opportunities, we're not allowed to be proactive in bringing those to people's attention to the extent we would like to. Is the this second, GDPR related? Is, is that the yes, is that is, the, that's the, data, the data yeah, privacy yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, type type regime? And again, it's an unintended consequence of that regime, but we need we need to work on that. Um, the second the second challenge that we have is that we're not able to be uh, sufficiently personalised. You know, so we, we 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 can say, well, most people do this, people like you do that. These are things you can think about. But what people want is is something that's personalised to their particular challenge that they're facing into. And the last thing that they want is they want somebody to be directive. They want an expert to tell them what to do. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't want a whole bunch of information that they have to go away and think about, make a complicated decision that they don't understand and then worry about for the next five years uh, in case they've made the wrong decision. So as that things stand, the advice and guidance boundary review was set under European law, but under heavy guidance uh, from, from Britain. It was a European law, but we essentially shaped it before we left uh, and we've inherited it. And if you want to be um, specific and directive, it falls on the advice side of that boundary. Mm, mm. And that then comes with an awful lot of overheads because it needs to be done by expensive people. It needs to be done in a very lengthy and comprehensive way. Um, and then there's also liabilities attached. So it's very expensive. And then because the disclosure re regime around that says you need to be very transparent in disclosing the cost of advice, um, the effect that it's going to have on your capital uh, and that your capital is at risk. It's all sorts of scary stuff. So. You can't afford it, and then it's very frightening when you, when you see the cost of it all. What we really need to do is we need to be able to um, turbocharge guidance so that when you have a customer working with you um, and they just want you to help them answer some questions around their household finances, often it's just complex maths or the interaction with tax or benefits. Yeah. We can answer that. It's not about selling products, but mm. we're not allowed to be uh, personalized. We're not allowed to be directive. But we, we, we should be. So we need to enhance guidance to allow us to do that. And we need to enhance guidance under the GDPR side of things of seeing that to allow us to be more proactive. So the, the current okay. proposals from the FDA don't allow us to, to do that. They're, they're saying let's introduce a targeted support regime on the advice. We would rather provide that targeted support under the guidance regime. Right. The other proposal yeah. from the FDA is, is, is a simplified form of advice, which gets the cost down. And they, they want to get the cost down basically by narrowing the scope of the advice to just answering a very specific question. So you're basically answering the question with blinkers on, mm -hmm. um, and that good outcomes. We would much rather get the cost of advice down by using technology. Uh, so you provide the full service. People who want the face-to-face -face contact, and an awful lot of people want that from the trust and the confidence perspective, they can continue to use IFAs and spend two, three thousand pounds. But if people can't afford that, you know, artificial intelligence, digital technologies might be able to do that for a few hundred. So we would rather get the cost down by using technology. And there's not enough focus in the FCA's current proposals on using technology. So it's directionally it's good, but yeah. we would we yeah. argue for some improvements, basically. So, Just on that, Pete, 
so those questions I was telling you about earlier on, those two and a half thousand questions that we got in, 523 of them were requests for callback. So people didn't want to ask their question in open forum. They wanted to find out. They had personal questions that they were needing a bit of support around. What amazed me was I published some stuff about that. And straight away, our CEO uh, drops me a note. I'm on the bus into work uh, in the morning saying, can I get all that stuff? Because he wants to go in to the regulator with that content. Say, this is what people are asking us. This yeah. is the kind of help that we need. And he did that. He's gone in with that stuff saying, we've broken it all down. These are the core questions that people are asking us. We can answer them without the need for all of this advice stuff that you're putting around yeah, it. Yeah. These are what people need help with. So I mean, it's fascinating to see to see that. And obviously, as as people know, he's a, he's massively into how tech can help support that. Mm. Brilliant. All right. Any awesome. any final words, Nico? Any 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 final questions or stuff that we haven't covered, um, Rob or Pete? I think we've done very well. I won't uh, extend uh, except to say thank you both. Uh, what a great way to start 2024. Fantastic. Fantastic. And <laughs> great to have you back, Robert. And um, mm. great to welcome you onto the pod. And it was really, really, really good and really interesting just getting that policy and people perspective mm. and joining it up and getting that juxtaposition. I um, yeah. really enjoyed that. So, yeah, so um, we said last year, didn't we, we'd mix it up. So I think having uh, a couple of guests uh, might be a bit of our future. Yeah, I think um, well, we can do that. And um, you know, but, if, if people have got any ideas and mm. um, want to hear from people or want to put themselves forward for the pod, then you yeah, know, please do. drop us a yeah. line. Can you remember the um, email address, Nico? VFMPensions at gmail.com. Very good. Very good. And <laughs> my next test for you is who have we got coming up? So we've got Chris Curry next week. And um, who else have we got next week, Nico? Um, who else have we got next week? Yeah. We've got Steve Webb the week after. We have. And who else have we got next week? Do we have uh, the man that couldn't record us with us on Monday. Exactly, week? we do. Yeah. So Lord oh, Willits. Where is that? Have you put that into my calendar? I have put it in your calendar, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we're, 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 we've got a, a recording with Lord Willits um, next week and, oh, yeah, yeah, and Chris Coe. And, and so we've got, we got two next week, Dan. We've got two next week. So we, we, all, we, for we, we, all for free. Talking about the value for money of VFM. <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know. The VFM of VFM. Um, but absolutely fantastic um, to, to have you both on. Um, great to be um, back for the new year. And um, yeah, I think that's it, isn't it, Nico? Yeah, um, well, just a quick plug for the Net Zero Investor DC conference that I'm chairing on the 31st of January. So um, you should still have time to get a place. Uh, so that's Wednesday. Is it free? Week. It is free. Yeah. Free for those who can afford, I think is the phrase, isn't it? Uh, Very dear to those who can't. Yeah. Uh, very good, um, very good. But uh, yeah, they're targeting trustees and you know policy people like you, Darren, and uh, I'm sure a whole bunch of individuals who can go along for free. So Excellent. yeah, do do reach out to them. Well, good luck for that. I would go along, but I hear you're chairing it. So uh, yeah, uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, he came last year. He was I, put I, off. I did. Put I, did off. I did. I did. I did. <laughs> um, Excellent. Well, thanks very much, Pete. Thanks, Rob. Um, so till next time, it's bye from me. Uh, bye from me, Pete. <laughs> you're meant to say it's by from me as well and then robert says it's by from me so let's do that again yeah and we're going to okay. leave this in so until next time it's bye from me it's goodbye from me it's goodbye from me and it's a big goodbye from me <laughs>